0: chapter sixty nine of half a century by jane Grace swishelm this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by pamela Nagami. visitors the second morning of my work in the old theatre miss hancock came to see how i got along she was thoroughly practical and a most efficient labourer in the hospital field and soon thought of something to better the condition of the man minus clothes who lay quite near my desk and the front door and caught my dress whenever he could to plead for a blanket she could get no blanket but was stationed in the methodist church where there was a surgeon in charge and everything running in regular order in a tent adjoining this man could be laid out of the draught and chill of that basement and she would do her best to get some clothing for him she sent two men with a stretcher who took him to the church tent where I fear he was not much better provided for than in the place he left. After some days Mrs. General Barlow came to see the men who all belonged to her husband's division and were rejoiced to see her, and to express a general fear for my life. I was to die of overwork and want of sleep, and then she exclaimed, What will become of these men? No one but you ever could or would have done anything for them. Do you know there were three surgeons detailed for duty here, before you came, and none of them would stay. Now if you die, they will. Do take some rest. I listened and looked at her flushed face while she talked and said, Mrs. Barlow, I am not going to die, am in no danger whatever, and will hold out until help comes. This cannot last. Government will come to the rescue, and my men will be here when it comes. After all is over, I will fall to pieces like an old stagecoach when the king bolt drops out, We'll lie around as lumber for a while, then someone will put me together again and I will be as good as new. It is you who are killing yourself. You must change your arrangements or you will take typhoid fever, and after such a strain recovery will be hopeless. I take nobody's disease I am too repellent, but you will catch contagion very readily. Keep away from fever cases and rest. You are in imminent peril." She hurried away laughing at the idea of one in her perfect health being injured by hard work, but my heart was full of evil omen. I had talked with Mrs. Senator Pomeroy on her way from her last visit to the contraband camp, where she gave her life and labor for the friendless and poor, and she had looked very much as Mrs. Barlow did that day. Soon after this I was made glad by the sight of my friend Mrs. Judge Ingersoll, people say her daughter mrs governor chamberlain is a beauty but she is not old enough ever to have been as beautiful as her mother that day in her plain widow's dress walking among the wounded with her calm face so full of strength and gentleness she and mrs barlow had hatched a rebellion in the city was a barn containing straw for want of which our men were dying it was guarded by one of general barlow's men Mrs. Barlow took two others, went with them, placed herself in front of the guard, told them to break open the barn and carry out the straw, and him to fire, if he thought it his duty, but he must reach them through her. The man's orders were to guard the barn, with the straw out of it he had nothing to do. The men moved side and side, going in and out, and she kept in range to cover them until the last armful had been removed. It was taken away and was to be distributed, but there was still so little compared to the need that there must be consultation about the manner of using it. Mrs. Ingersoll thought it should be made into small pillows and volunteered to undertake that work, as the commission could furnish muslin. I thought this best. She found a loft and engaged several Fredericksburg women to work for pay. They worked one day but did not return on the second. There were a good many Union women there by this time who should have helped, but few could confine themselves to obscure work on a loft when there was so much excitement on the streets. There was no authority to hold any one to steady employment, and so about two-thirds the helpers who reached Fredericksburg spent a large part of their time in an aimless wandering and wondering and finding so much to be done could do nothing. So most of the time Mrs. Ingersoll, was in her loft alone except the orderlies who stuffed her slips sewed up the ends and carried them off to the places she designated but she had nimble fingers and sleight of hand and turned out a surprising number of small straw pillows as my allowance came the question was what to do with them they were too precious for use what should i do with those scraps of white on that field of grime our gaunt horror became grotesque in view of such unwonted luxuries what a whole dozen or two little straw pillows among two hundred and sixty men who should select the aristocrats to be cradled in such luxury amid that world of want when my aristocrat was elected how should his luxury be applied would i put it under his head or mangled limb I think I never realized our destitution until those little pillows came to remind me that sometimes wounded men had beds. Oh, God, would relief never come? Like the Scotch girl in the besieged fortress of India, I felt like laying my ear to the ground to hearken for the sound of the bagpipes, the tramp of the campbells coming. It did seem that without surgical aid or comforts of any kind, my men must soon be all past hope. But a surgeon came, and I hailed him with joy, thinking him the advance guard of the army of relief. Half an hour after his appearance, I missed him and saw him no more. And this was the fourth which left those men, after being regularly detailed to duty among them, left them to die or live as they could. Soon after this, we had an official visit from one of those laundry critics called medical inspectors as there were no sheets or counterpanes to look after he turned his attention to a heap of dry rubbish in the vestibule which gave the place an untidy appearance as seen from the street to remove this eyesore he had one of my nurses hunt up a wheelbarrow and two shovels the shovels were accessible by this time and ordered him and another to wheel that rubbish out into the street the wheelbarrow coming in the door called my attention when I learned we were going to be made respectable. I sent the wheelbarrow home, gave the shovels to two men to dig a sinkhole back in the yard, and forbade any disturbance of the dry harmless rubbish in the vestibule. I would not have my men choked with dust by its removal and set about getting up false appearances. No medical inspector should white that sepulchre until he cleared the dead men's bones out of it. He had not looked at a wound, did not know if the men had had any dinner. A man did not need a medical diploma to clear up after stage carpenters. If the government wanted that kind of work done, it had better send a man and cart with its donkey. End of chapter 69.